Shalom everyone, I'm Monty Judah with Lion and Lamb Ministries. This is our study of the book of Jeremiah. And uh, our program is called The Expectations of Jeremiah, where we're going through the entire book, looking at his different prophecies. And as you all know, if you've been in the study before, Jeremiah was the major prophet who prophesied to the house of Judah about the Babylonian captivity that was going to come upon him. But Jeremiah had also a lot of interesting things to say about the new covenant. That's where the major prophecy of it comes from. And also about some things at the end of the ages. He's going to give a series of prophecies to the surrounding nations there around Israel as we see. Now we are in the part of the book where the Babylonians have definitely come and taken captive of the house of Judah. Zedekiah, the king, has been hauled off to Babylon, uh, where he's now in captivity. Um, all of the royals and the leaders have been killed. And in the last portion, we saw where Gedaliah was this governor that was set up by the Babylonians to see to the remnant of Judah so they could stay in the land and have vineyards and live, that there would still be a remnant in the land. <clears throat> then we learned the story of this guy named Ishmael, who was of the court, of the royal court of the Jews. And because of envy and because he wanted to continue to hassle with Babylon, he comes over to Gedaliah and he assassinates him. And one of the reasons we have the fast of Gedaliah in the traditional Hebrew calendar is a commemoration of when Ishmael did that and as to the circumstances of the story of uh, the Babylon. The, the, the four fasts that we have have to do in, in um, um, Jewish um, culture have to do with the story of Babylon, things that happened associated with Babylon. Zechariah prophesies there's a day coming when the Messiah will turn that all of those fasts will be turned into festivals of joy. And so while yet today we see them as fasts and we don't see them as a joyous event, they're part of the history of Israel, part of the terrible history of Israel, in fact, um, there's a day coming when they'll be turned to commemorations of joy. And to tell you the truth, based on what I know about Gadaliah and the, the humble and righteous man that he was, when we get to the kingdom, I am actually looking forward to meeting this man, uh, how the, his enemies chose him, about how the people submitted to him, that he was a good and righteous man, yet he was slain by his own brethren. And he almost comes to the rank of being one of the prophets of Israel, a good man, a righteous man, but slain by his own brethren. So we are now at chapter 43. And if you would join with me there, we'll take up the rest of the story uh, about now that Jeremiah and the others have made the decision to go to Egypt instead of staying in the land, despite the fact that Jeremiah said, if you stay in the land, you'll do okay. You don't have to worry about the king of Babylon coming to hurt you. But the people were afraid of the king of Babylon. They thought there would be warfare. So they go to Egypt and all they've done is walk themselves right into a bigger mess uh, going down to Egypt. So here we are, chapter 43, beginning at verse 1. But it came about as soon as Jeremiah, whom the Lord their God had sent, had finished telling all the people all the words of the Lord their God, that is, all these words, 
that Azariah, the son of Hoshaniah, and Yohanan, the son of Kareah, that all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you are telling a lie. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you are not to enter Egypt to reside there. But Baruch, the son of Nariah, is inciting you against us to give us over to the land of the Chaldeans so that they may put us to death or exile to Babylon. So Yohanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces and all the people did not obey the voice of the Lord so as to stay in the land of Judah. But Yohanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces took the entire remnant of Judah who had returned from all of the nations to which they had been driven away in order to reside in the land of Judah. I want to um, uh, comment on something. The, um, there is some dispute uh, about the return of the remnant prophecies. And some teachers advocate this was the fulfillment of it when they came from all these surrounding lands. And some will advocate the return to the land or the return of the exiles will happen 70 years later at the end of Babylon. But the return of the remnant, these big prophecies that talk about um, gathering all the exiles, it is the Messiah who's given attribution to gathering all of this. And it's very clear here the Messiah was not involved in this. He was not the one that brought them back from Babylon, nor this one where Gedaliah sent the word out. These are specific events did, and they kind of mirror and mimic things that will be in the future. But the one the Messiah does is far greater than anything that we're reading here. And so here we have the remnant has been gathered that Gedaliah pulled in. And so guess what the arrogant leaders have decided to do? Scatter Israel again. No enemy is pushing them out. That's just how dumb the decision is. Oh, let's go ahead and leave the land. No one is chasing us. No one is threatening us. It's just we're full of our fears, and we won't listen to the prophet of God uh, concerning the matter. Um, And it goes to which they had driven them in order to reside in the land of Judah. Verse 6, the men, the women, the children, the king's daughters, and every person that the captain of the bodyguard had left with Gedaliah, the son of Achim, and the grandson of Zaphon, together with Jeremiah the prophet and Baruch, the son of Neriah, that, uh, and they entered the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord and went in as far as Taphanhez. Taphanhez. And verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in that place, saying, Take some large stones in your hands and hide them in the mortar in the brick terrace, which is at the entrance of Pharaoh's palace in that place, in the sight of some of the Jews. So he's going to tell him to get a couple of of big stones. I want you to take it over to Pharaoh's palace, right there in the front part, right there in the foyer part, and I want you to put them in the ground and put mortar on them and and seal them up, you know, where they stay there. Okay, here's another one of those interesting examples of where Jeremiah is directed to do something interesting, and then there's going to be a message with it. And say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I'm going to send and get Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and I'm going to set his throne right over these stones that I have hidden. 
and he will spread his canopy over them. I want you to think about that for a moment. Here we are. We get down to where Pharaoh's palace is out. We're in Egypt. Jeremiah is told by the Lord, go get a couple of big stones. I want you to bury them in the ground right here. Mortar them in so they can't be moved. He said, I want you to tell the rest of the Jews that are now with you. You see these two stones? This is the place where Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is actually going to set up his canopy when he comes to rule over this place. Isn't that fascinating? That's a pretty profound, picturesque prophecy, you know, for it. And yeah, it's going to be happening. Uh, verse 11, he will also come and strike the land of Egypt. Those who are meant for death will be given over to death, and those for captivity to captivity, and those for the sword to the sword. And I shall set fire to the temples of the gods of Egypt, and he will burn them and take them captive. So he will wrap himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd wraps himself with his garment, and he will depart from there safely. He will also shatter the obelisk of Heopolis, which is in the land of Egypt and the temples of the gods of Egypt, and he will burn with fire. Now, I didn't have a chance yet to go back in my study into the study of ancient Egypt, but um, there should be evidence in studying the ancient Egypt about these different obelisks, these different temples that were built. There's some that are in total ruins, and then there's some that are still kind of intact that were built later. And I'm curious about going back and studying the different ruins of them and seeing if they, in fact, are the ones that the king of Babylon came and destroyed uh, when he came back. And it would take us back to the historical moments of what Jeremiah is talking about. But that's a pretty profound prophecy that Jeremiah gave with regard to how um, Egypt was going to be destroyed. He said, not only am I going to go through the land of Egypt, he said, I'm also going to take all of these things the Egyptians pride themselves on, all the things the pharaohs have built, all their temples. All, you, know, you know there were a lot of different gods in Egypt. I'm going to take all their temples and I'm going to wipe them out. Um, I guess, you know, that's fitting since the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. Why not come and destroy all the other temples of Egypt? And so he's prophesied to do so. Chapter 44. The word that came to Jeremiah for all of the Jews living in the land of Egypt, those who were living in Migdal and Tafanhez, Memphis, and the land of Pathros, saying... Thus says the Lord of God, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you yourselves have seen all the calamity that I've brought on Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah, and behold, this day they are in ruins and no one lives in them. Because of their wickedness, which they committed so as to provoke me to anger by continuing to burn sacrifices and serve other gods, whom they've not known, neither they nor your fathers, Yet I sent you all my servants, the prophets, again and again, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing which I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ears to turn from their wickedness, so as not to burn sacrifices to other gods. Therefore, my wrath, my anger were poured out on the, and burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, so they have become a ruin and a desolation as it is this day. Now then, thus says the Lord God of hosts and the God of Israel, 
Why are you doing great harm to yourselves so as to cut off from you, man and woman, child and infant, from among Judah, leaving yourselves without remnant? You've literally done harm to yourself leaving the land and coming to Egypt. You, you're now doing even more harm to yourself than God has already done. Um, provoking me to anger at the works of your hands, burning sacrifices to other gods in the land of Egypt when, where you're entering to reside so that you might be cut off and become a curse and a reproach among all the nations of, of the earth. Why do you think God instructed Jeremiah, tell the people, don't go to Egypt? One, he gave the promise that the Chaldeans wouldn't come and harm them, so that was already taken care of. Why else would he be a God so opposed to the remnant going down into Egypt? Because there's all these other gods down in Egypt, and this is what the Egyptians do. Guess what? If this people in the land of Israel were burning incense and giving sacrifices to idols, what do you think they're going to do down in Egypt with a whole new crop of gods and, and so forth? Sure enough, they're going to go down and do the same dumb thing again. And that's what Jeremiah is referring to about how you think this punishment's going to stop? You continue to violate the covenant. You continue to do these things to make me angry, the Lord says. You think it's going to, you know, the punishment's going to stop? Um, you know, they say that uh, pure insanity is doing the same thing that you did before again and again, even though it was a disaster. It's, it, I guess you could say that the, the children of Israel, the remnant of Judah at this point, are literally insane, spiritually insane. You know, at this point. Um, <clears throat> verse 9, Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, their own wickedness, the wickedness of their wives, which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? But they have not become contrite even to this day. Nor have they feared nor walked in my law on my statutes, which I have set before you and before your fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I'm going to set my face against you for woe, even to cut off all of Judah. And I will take away the remnant of Judah, who has set their mind on entering the land of Egypt to reside, and they will all meet their end in the land of Egypt, for they will fall by sword, and there they will end by famine." both small and great, will die by the sword and famine, and they will become a cause, an object of horror, an imprecation, and a reproach. And I will punish those who live in the land of Egypt as I have punished Jerusalem with the sword, with the famine, with pestilence. So there will be no refuges or survivors for the remnant of Judah who have entered the land of Egypt to reside there and then to return to the land of Judah to which they are longing to return and live, for none will return except a few refugees. I want to stop for a moment, and, and let's just kind of take a, a broad view of what's going on here. God has basically said to Israel, you continue to sin. You continue to not follow my ways. 
you don't obey my commandments, you don't keep the law, um, and you are participating with other false gods, you are doing that which is wicked at all levels of your society, from men through women all the way down. And as a result, I want you to know that you're going to endure very severe punishments like warfare, famine, sickness, bad stuff is going to happen to you, really bad stuff. And, and everything that you think the world to be is going to be turned into devastation and ruins. Now, we look at that historical story, and we all kind of sit back, and we're reading the book of Jeremiah, and we're going, wow, that was really too bad what those people did. And Jeremiah the prophet, I guess, was right. And that's how God dealt with those people in those days. And somehow or another, some of us sit here listening to this and reading this book, and we go, yeah, that doesn't really involve me. I'm, this isn't really that directly applicable to me. Let me share something with you. These messages that Jeremiah gives are the very messages that are given throughout all the prophecies about the end of the ages. We're talking to God's people at the end of the ages, and we're talking about how God is very upset with the world, and he's intending to come back and judge the world. And oh, by the way, he's also warning that if you're going to be involved with the world, and you're not going to follow my ways, you're not going to trust me, you're not going to follow what I say, then you're going to suffer the same things that those other nations will suffer. And in fact, he goes on to say, there's going to be war, there's going to be famine, there's going to be pestilences, going to be a whole host of judgments. And God, I know it's hard for you to believe, is going to ruin the world. Tear it up. Make the place in shambles. And we, who are believers today, we have a choice. Just like the remnant in that day had a choice. Are we going to listen to the words of the prophet, which are the words of the Lord? Are we going to follow what the Lord says about how to handle this situation? Are we going to believe the promise, just like he gave to the remnant there, where he has promised to the end time saints, I will deliver you and I will save you out of it. Are we going to do the same thing that historically what the remnant of Judah did, which was they did not listen to the Lord and they suffered greatly? Or are we going to be the remnant that does listen to the Lord and does pay attention and wants to follow in the Lord's ways and we will become the remnant that will go back and live in the kingdom with the Lord. Because it's all going to come down to a final thing here. And we've had plenty of prophets tell us about the end of the world, and we've, had, we've seen a whole host of things that have taken place in the world. We're all familiar with basic world history of wars and all kinds of things that are taking place. And even in this day as I'm doing the recording, while we have this incredible coronavirus, this pestilence that is going through, and it's going to kill lots of people, and 
harm many people. And so it's just like what the Lord said. Are we going to make the same dumb mistake and ignore what the Lord has said, not listen to the prophets, not turn to the Lord and want to follow the Lord and trust the Lord? You know what? I, I, I have a feeling that the same thing that happened in those days is going to happen in our days. That, that's my sense of it. That there's going to be a remnant of us that will trust the Lord, will pay attention to what it is, and then we're going to have even disputes within our own assemblies of some people saying, oh, no, I don't believe that. That's a lie. God would never do that to us, you know. You know, God would never make us go through the Great Tribulation, would they? You know, surely he would rapture his help. If we don't have to do, deal with any of that. We don't have to worry about those prophecies about pestilence and war and all that distress and devastation. And, and surely, for example, like here in the United States of America, why God would never, ever permit such destruction and devastation to come to our country just like they said about Israel and just like they said about the temple. He would never permit that to happen. You know, if there's one thing that we can come away from the book of Jeremiah about, we ought to come away with the conclusion, my goodness, this stuff has happened before and this is how God dealt with this. And if this is the same thing that starts happening with us, we better pay attention to what God did with Jeremiah. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the way he judged in Jeremiah's day is the same way he's going to judge us. We're not under new special conditions and those who would advocate, well, the new covenant changed everything. My friends, do not listen to that. You better pay attention. And Jeremiah is warning them and telling them you cannot do the things that you're doing in Egypt and the Lord will not come and punish you. In this country right now, our United States of America, the whole Western world, we are turning away from God and God's ways more rapidly than I can recite to you what's taking place. It's very, very clear that there is a division within our country. There's some who are trying to follow the Lord, and then there's others who are godless. And we're right at the edge of where who, who's going to be the majority. And it's scary because the trend is clearly moving toward godlessness. And we're going to find ourselves in the same situation that Israel found itself with, with the Lord as in the days of Jeremiah. All right. Verse 15. Then all the men who were aware that their wives were burning sacrifices to other gods, along with all the women who were standing by, a large assembly, including all the people who were living in Pathros and in the land of Egypt, responded to Jeremiah saying, As for the message that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we are not going to listen to you. But rather, we will certainly carry out every word that is proceeded from our mouths by burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and pouring out libations to her, just as we ourselves, our forefathers and our kings and our princes did in the cities of Judah, 
in the streets of Jerusalem, for then we had plenty of food and were well off and saw no misfortune. But since we stopped burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and pouring out libations to her, we have lacked everything and have met our own end by the sword and by the famine. And, and said the women, when we are burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven, we are pouring out libations to her. Was it not because of our husbands that we made for her sacrifice, uh, sacrificial cakes in her image and poured out libations to her? I want you to listen to the logic of these people. Uh, let's see. You know, the God brought them into the land, prospered them. They increased. Uh, they were doing well. Then they decided, well, let's have a split. And let's split the nation. So they did. And instead of following, continuing to follow the ways of, of uh, the Lord and going and, and just like the Ephraimites who said, we want to bake cakes to the queen of heaven. And so Judah began to do the same thing. They're thinking, hey, remember back when we were doing that? We had an abundance. Everything was going good, you know, and so forth. And then they make this false attribution. You see, the reason why we had the abundance and the reason why everything was going good was because we were baking cakes to the queen of heaven. We were idolatrous, and look at the blessings that we got. And not recognize those blessings were there a long time before they started baking cakes to the queen of heaven. But now they have falsely attributed the blessings they were enjoying to somebody else. It's a little bit like the children of Israel when they first came out of Egypt, and they made the golden calf. And they stood up and they said, the golden calf is the one who's brought us out of the land of Egypt. What? What? You're starting an idolatry and now all the good things that have happened, you're giving attribution to the idol for those things instead of the Lord. So now they're going, well, you know, let's just take a look and see how things are going. As a result of you telling us not to bake cakes to the queen of heaven, Bad stuff has happened to us, and the bad stuff has happened to us because we couldn't bake cakes to the queen of heaven anymore. So now we're down in Egypt, not even in the land. We're going to bake cakes to the queen of heaven, so we have prosperity down here now. Instead of the judgment that God has put on the nation that we have seen. The logic here, the, the, the level of ignorance is beyond me. Well, actually, it's not. I see the same thing happening today. I see Christian people falling into the persuasion of liberal uh, agendas that are open, defiant sin against the commandments of the Lord, and then they're standing up and they're trying to tell me what is the real message of the gospel. They're trying to tell me the essence of what the Bible is really saying and what the Bible's really about. Don't you know, Monty, everything is about love. And as long as you're standing up and being critical and questioning this, you're questioning the love that we have for one another. And as a result, you know, you're proving that you're the hypocrite, you're the heretic. We are truly the righteous here. You know, 
whenever you take something that's holy and you call it unholy, or you take something that's unholy and you call it holy, it's called blasphemy. Blasphemy is where you take things and you make them the reverse. You make false things into truth and true things into false. And the world is full of blasphemous people. It's not the unbelievers that are blasphemous. It's people who are calling themselves believers. They're the ones that are being blasphemous. You know what the penalty for blasphemy is? against the Lord. Death. It's death. The Lord is not going to let that slide. Now, I don't go around pronouncing the judgments of what God's going to do individually with a individual person because, first of all, I'm not the Lord, and I'm not going to usurp the Lord as to whatever judgment that He wishes to make individually. But what I can do is I can say that if you have a collective set of thinking and a bunch of thought that goes in a particular direction, I can render a judgment as to whether or not that lines up with what the Lord has said or whether that is contrary to what the Lord has said. And I'm here to tell you, brethren, I know you don't like to hear this. There's a whole lot of our Christian brethren that are going the wrong way on this. And it's getting worse. It's not getting better. We have lost sight of holding to justice and righteousness, to the truth, to obeying what the Lord says, honoring what the Lord says. And we've gotten to the point where we're committing blasphemy. We're, like Isaiah said, we're, we're calling sweet bitter and bittersweet. The guilty are judged as righteous the righteous are judged as guilty. Verse 20. Then Jeremiah said to all the people, to the men and the women, even to all the people who were giving him such an answer, saying, As for the smoking sacrifices that you burn in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, you and your forefathers, your kings, your princes, and the people of the land did not uh, did not the Lord remember them, and did not all of this come into his mind? So the Lord was no longer able to endure it because of the evil of your deeds, because of the abominations which you have committed. Thus your land has become a ruin, an object of horror, a curse, without inhabitant as it is this day. Because you have burned sacrifices and have sinned against the Lord and not obeyed the voice of the Lord or walked in his law, his statutes, or his testimonies, therefore this calamity has befallen you as it is this day. Then Jeremiah said to all the people, including all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, who are in the land of Egypt. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as follows, As for you and your wives... You have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled it with your hands, saying, We will certainly perform our vows that we have vowed to burn sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven and pour out libations to her. Go ahead, confirm your vows, and certainly perform your vows. Nevertheless, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who are living in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, never shall my name be invoked again by the mouth of any man of Judah 
in all of the land of Egypt, saying, as the Lord God lives. Um, let me comment on that moment. You know, we use common greetings that are born out of our faith. A lot of times, you know, well, for example, amongst us messianics, we say shalom. We greet somebody, shalom, goodbye. Peace, peace you know, shalom aleichem, peace be unto you. And it's all based on what we understand to be the peace of God and the things of God. So we say shalom. Um, in the Christian world, a lot of times you'll have something where the Lord says, well, you know, somebody sneezes and they'll say, the Lord bless you. Or somebody goes away and they say, well, God speed to you. Um, and and we, have these, we have these salutations and these um, exhortations that we give and the ways we say goodbye to someone. We, we try to extend elements of our faith. Now, maybe some people are doing this out of rote and they don't realize that. But the fact of the matter is that, that, that we do that. One of the most common expressions that used to be spoken in the ancient times was um, at, in, at the news of anything, at births, at deaths, uh, uh, the circumstances of life, and, and so forth. One of the com most common expressions used to be, as the Lord lives. In other words, we, as the Lord lives, he's going to do good. Uh, you know, he, the, the, that we all come under the leadership of the Lord. And so like the, the psalmist and then from the Proverbs says, you know, that, you know, man sets his plans, but his steps are ordered of the Lord. In other words, we view the circumstances of our life that God's involved with us. He's paying attention to us. And sometimes he's assisting us and helping us, especially if we're paying attention to him. And that as good things happen, as things come along and progress is made, why we have this thing, uh, well, thank you, Lord. We, we acknowledge God's oversight. What Jeremiah just prophesied to you is, I'm going to remove from the remnant of Judah that are in the land of Egypt, you won't even use a daily expression about me anymore. I'm going to take it out of your mouth. You used your mouth to do this, I'm going to take something out of your mouth. You're never going to go around saying, as the Lord lives anymore. That's how devoid you are going to become concerning me. Not even to, well, God bless you. They won't even say any of that. Can you imagine here on our society if we were, let's say that the government came in tyrannically and, and forbid us from giving any kind of religious nature greeting to each other? That we couldn't speak anything edifying to one another from the faith? I, could, I couldn't speak a blessing to you. I couldn't, I couldn't make honor the Lord. I couldn't do a prayer publicly for my food. Can you imagine what that would be like? We would call that oppression. We would definitely say we are in trouble. The remnant down in Egypt is in trouble. Can you imagine what they thought of Jeremiah? Can you imagine? They probably hated him. In fact, according to the tradition, it was those people in Egypt that took Jeremiah and slew him, killed him. He just stood up for the Lord too much.
and they didn't want it, and they didn't like it, and they got rid of him. Verse 27, Behold, I am watching over them for harm and not for good, and all the men of Judah who are in the land of Egypt will meet their end by the sword and by famine until they are completely gone. And those who escape the sword will not return out of the land of Egypt to the land of Judah. Few in number than all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to reside there will know whose word will stand, mine or theirs. You stood up and you vowed you're going to bake queen uh, cakes to the queen of heaven so that you will prosper. And I've stood up and said, no, let's see how well you prosper. You fulfill your vow, I'll fulfill my vow. We'll figure out which vow was bigger. If the Lord swears something against you, I don't care what comes out of your mouth after that. You're going to be subject to whatever the Lord has said. It's about like, you know, you are living on his planet in his universe. I don't think you really have that much say around here. You are subject to him. <clears throat> Verse 29, and this will be a sign to you, declares the Lord, that I'm going to punish you in this place so that you may know that my words will surely stand against you for harm. Thus says the Lord, behold, I am going to give over Pharaoh. Hophra, king of Egypt, to the hand of the enemies, to the hand of those who seek his life, just as I gave over Zedekiah of Judah to the, land of ne to the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who was his enemy and was seeking his life. He said, by the way, I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove to you how powerful my word is. You know that host nation that you're in now, that you're seeking refuge in Egypt? You know Pharaoh, the guy that's in charge of that? What happened to Zedekiah, king of Judah, under the hand of the Babylonians, is going to happen to that Pharaoh. You're going to see it. You're going to see, just like Zedekiah went away, you're going to see this Pharaoh go away. And by the way, when he goes away, all of your protection that you came down here for is going to evaporate with him. And you will be in a place with no refuge and no protection. And that's the reason why you're going to be completely gone when I get done with you. Pretty, pretty stern words. All right, now we come to chapter 45. And if you're looking at your Bibles, you're probably going to stop and ask yourself, what in the heck am I looking at? There's only five verses in the whole chapter. In fact, with the exception of the Psalms, it's one of the shortest chapters in all of the Bible. It's the shortest chapter in the book of Jeremiah. I wonder what in the world could be in that chapter compared to everything else that's been going on. What we're going to read, as we read here, is that Baruch, you know, the scribe that was working with Jeremiah, finally, I think he's, he's recording all these words, he's seeing all these things, and finally it kind of kicks up in his soul and he says, hey, uh, you know, I'm really running around with Jeremiah. Things are really getting tense. The people want to kill you. I've been your aide, I've been your scribe, I've been writing all this stuff down. Um, what's going to happen to me? You know, you're a prophet, you're probably going to go off and get yourself killed. What, what happens to me? You know, I mean, you can understand how Baruch might have that question. So we have this short thing here where Jeremiah is going to talk to his scribe. 
and say this to him. Chapter 45, verse 1. This is the message which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written down these words in the book of Jeremiah's dictation. In the fourth year of Joachim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying. Now, that dates, and that says that even before Zedekiah came, even before the first Babylonian thing came, Baruch said, Jeremiah, what, what's going to happen to me? And so this was the answer that was given way back then. And so Baruch has had this, and he's simply inserting now in the book, this, this is what was dictated to me, this is what Jeremiah said to me. Uh, verse 2, thus says the Lord God of Israel to you, O Baruch, you said, ah, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning and have found no rest. I believe you, Jeremiah, and I believe I'm in trouble just like everybody else. Thus you are to say to him, thus says the Lord, behold, what I have built, I am about to tear down. And what I have planted, I'm about to uproot, that is, the whole land. But you, are you seeking great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for behold, I'm going to bring disaster on all flesh, declares the Lord, but I will give your life to you as booty in all the places where you may go. Basically, what he said is this. He said, Baruch, you're going to hear about all the stuff that's going on. Do not use this information as a way to try to secure yourself. In other words, don't take this and say, well, you know, according to the Lord, they're only going to do this, but not over here. So I'll go buy this plot of land over here, and then I'll be able to hang on to it. And so don't do that. Don't do any of this information to try to preserve yourself or try to do better for yourself. Instead, you just humble up, and the Lord's going to preserve you. And no matter where you go, you will have your life. You will not be subject to punishment or harm, and the enemies will not hurt you. That was a very, very important message for Baruch to, to, to hear, and that's probably the reason why Baruch hung on with Jeremiah to including the capture of Jerusalem when Zedekiah was taken captive by Babylon, to hang around with Jeremiah when he was under arrest, to hang around with Jeremiah when when they came back with Gedaliah, even though Gedaliah was slain, to hang around with him, even going down to Egypt, even though he'd heard the prophet say, don't go to Egypt. He, he's, he has this word that says, no matter where you travel with Jeremiah, you're going to be okay, Baruch. And that's an example to us of um, just remain faithful to the task. I give it, everything's going to work out for you on the personal level. It, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. But it also illustrates something else, and this is something that I have seen in my ministry. As many of you know, if you followed my ministry, I have taught uh, for many, many years about why I believe that we are the last generation, that I can see the trends that are happening in the world, I can match them against the prophecies, I can point out all these things that are taking place, I can show you probability, I can show you evidence that, that all kind of speaks to one conclusion. And that conclusion is we're coming to the end of the ages. And we also know 
some of the issues of the end of the ages, things that are going to happen, uh, the bad things that are going to happen, and uh, so forth. I've actually had people come up to me who are paying very close attention to my teaching, and they want to have just a little personal moment with me so they can get counsel. And so I will have a moment with them, and they'll say something like, so uh, what do you think, Monty? Uh, gold and silver, I should put my money into gold and silver, because that, that's... And they're trying to figure out how to take all this information, this prophecy about judgment coming and what the Lord's going to do, and they're trying to figure out, now, how do I exploit my resources for my own personal gain about this situation? How, how do I do that? I actually had some businessmen, this was back several years ago, they heard my teaching on it, and they wanted to have me come and give counsel to their businesses as to how, what, how should they position themselves and their businesses so they can have success through the Great Tribulation. You've got to be kidding me. And it's like Baruch had to go through this lesson. He, he's, he's into his own personal self-interest first, and he's got to overcome that. Jeremiah helps him to overcome it, says, Baruch, stop worrying about your own personal self-interest. Believe me, there's gonna, you're going to see a lot, but I want to assure you about something. No matter where you go with me or whatever, you will have your life. Your, your life is not going to be taken from you, uh, despite everything that's going on. There are certain saints that are told in the Scripture, uh, called the overcomers in the book of Revelation, and some of them are told that, yes, they're going to be taken captive. And some of them are, yes, told that you, your destiny is to die. But then there's a whole group of others that says, no, your destiny is to endure and to remain all the way to the end, and you will see the coming of the Lord. We'd all like to be in that last destiny, but you know how destinies are. You don't determine your destiny. Your destiny is determined for you. And if that's what the Lord has destined, that, that's your part in the plan of God, and you're going to be in the kingdom, and you'll have your testimony. Um, but those who are going to make it you know, to the end, the 144,000, those that follow the escape plan of, of Sukkot, those that go into the camps of the righteous during the Great Tribulation, many of them are going to make it. In fact, the Scripture tells us that the number of Great Tribulation saints that are going to make it into the kingdom, no man could number. And they've all got those leafy palm branches because they knew what Sukkot meant. And they followed God's escape plan using the understanding of Sukkot. Now, that's their destiny. See, they followed the counsel of the Lord. They, the word of the Lord said this, they did what the Lord said. And their lives are preserved. But this is not a time for you since you're getting ready to go to the Great Tribulation. And let's say that you're one of those Tribulation saints. As you stockpile all of your resources that you want to bring along with your sukkah, may I suggest that you don't say, you know, I'm going to put a case of liquor in there too. Because everybody will want liquor and I'll sell some liquor and I'll make a few shackles on the side while we're in the Great Tribulation. I wouldn't recommend that you do that. 
at all. Because you're going to prove that you're only out for yourself. And this is not a place where you can survive if you're just out for yourself. You're going to need the help of the Lord and all the brethren that are assembled, and so is everybody else. And you setting up your own little alternative plan is not going to work. It's just going to rob you from being part of God's plan fully and completely. So lay down your self-interest and just do what the Lord says. This was the counsel of Jeremiah to Baruch in these days. All right, we are at chapter uh, 46, and, and the next time we get together, we're going to begin there. Shalom, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This broadcast is made possible by the Lord and the donations of brethren like yourself. If you would like to give a donation to help keep this broadcast on the air, please visit LLGive.com. Thank you and shalom.